Hello there, friends. This is Spencer Michaud, and today we're going to be talking about the full moon in the second decan of Gemini. Uh, I am joined here by my good friend, Manuela Cronin. How are you doing today, Manuela? Yay, thank you. I'm, I'm good. Thank you for having me. How'd I do? How's, how's my, my German pronunciation? Well, it's uh, on its way. <laughs> Sorry. I always try to get it as, as close as possible as I can. Sorry for, for joining you a little late today. I had to make a blood sacrifice to Mars today, uh, right before we came on. Uh, in, in, you know, appropriate fashion for the full moon that is going to be conjoining Mars in Gemini. I hope I said full moon at the beginning of the show. Uh, <laughs> but, so if you are joining us here today, friends, put a, put a, uh, a chat in the chat box, letting us know where you're stopping in from. Uh, say hi to everyone. And um, yeah, so Manuela, it is very nice to see you. Uh, tell us a little bit more about yourself, where you're joining us from, and a little bit hmm. about your story. Yeah, I'm I'm joining in from Spain. <laughs> so I'm in Europe. I was born in Germany, so that's the funny accent I cannot get rid of. Um, I lived in Sweden for 20 years approximately, and last summer, like summer 2022, I moved um yeah from sweden to spain with my with my family and yeah uh, for the past 20 years i i was a tourism professional hiking trail manager um trained in geography with a phd in the social sciences and now with that cut moving from sweden to spain i decided it would be time to do something different. So now I'm doing my best to get a spiritual business going where I'm using astrology as my main tool. And I'm also using the tarot cards and some healing techniques in order to, yeah, to fill in um, where I think the tarot and, and healing can be helpful to the client. So basically what I'm doing in my astrology readings is doing chart readings in the mindset of traditional astrology and I'm a bit creative in the way I'm going about in my readings and if anyone wanted to check more in detail what I'm offering it's my website placeofstillness.org um, and I have a YouTube channel Place of Stillness Astrology where I share yeah nice astrology <laughs> forecasts. And you're a fellow Nightlight Astrology alumni as well, correct? Yes. <laughs> I'm, uh, I was part of the Nightlight 23 cohort, so I quite recently uh, got certified by, by Adam and the Nightlight Club. Yeah. So I'm pretty fresh. Mm, yeah. So Nice. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, Adam's doing his annual Kickstarter uh at the moment right now too so if you're if you are a fan of his work go check him out it's always nice to support our, our teacher and and people in the in the biz here um okay so manuela we're gonna be going on a journey today i'm trying to collect my thoughts <laughs> my, yes I, thumbs uh, up i think i bled all over my notes uh before we got on the air here i was i was it was funny i was um printing out my outline for the day 
something related to tech and I needed to um, change the printer cartridge. And hmm. for whatever reason, there was a sharp part on that printer cartridge and it sliced my thumb. So uh, hmm. Mars and Gemini using tech to draw blood. <laughs> so, yeah. um, okay, so I'm going to join. Uh, welcome a few people to the chat here. Rachel is here. Rachel Fletcher is stopping in from Roanoke, Virginia. Uh, Cosmo Shiva Galaxina is here. Uh, welcome, friend. I believe that that might be Yevgen. Um, I'm not sure. Uh, the, the name is unfamiliar to me. Uh, Bronia K is here from the UK. Uh, hey. Is that a friend of yours? Yes, that's a friend of mine. Nice, nice. <laughs> welcome, friend. We, we met in Ireland this summer. It was very cool. Wonderful. Hmm? Uh, Lorica Bretherton is here from Sweden. Yay. Another Swiss, Swiss, uh, Swedish friend here today. Yes. Uh, Taria is joining us from dark and cold Finland. Um, Janet is here from Vancouver, BC. Hello, Janet. Good to see you. And Premier uh, Etat Felasafi is from here. Yay. From say also nightlight 23 cohort with a wonderful youtube channel sharing a lot about classic philosophy and deep dives into astrological techniques highly recommend very cool very cool mm -hmm. uh and claimed paradise is joining us from florida hello friend hey. also Lynn. nightlight 23 there you go the whole also crew wonderful is channel with <laughs> the most beautiful astrological makeup you will find on the internet there you go um, yes, and Lynn's stopping by. Hello, Lynn. Um, well, welcome, friends. Thank you all for stopping in and, and letting us know that you're here today. Wanted to give a special shout out to another friend, Susanna, who is on the mend in Finland right now. Hope you're doing well out there, friend, and doing okay. I know you've got those kitties that are going to help you feel better. Um, but yes, we've got a number of things to talk about today, Manuela. Um, before we get into that, Let's finish off our business here. We can find you at placeofstillness.org. You have a wonderful yes. YouTube channel. You have the really nice new microphone that you and I talked about. <laughs> like yes. <laughs> a, a digital setup that, uh, you know, with this beautiful Shure SM7B. So you sound great right now, by the way. Um, Thank you. So check out Manuela and her offerings. Subscribe to her YouTube channel. Um, some really creative uh, videos that she's put up there and some really great astrology. So check her out there. Um, I have a Deccans of Sagittarius sale that's going. Uh, thank you all of you who supported uh, the sale over the Black Friday weekend. That sale is now over, but you could still save 20% on the Deccans of Sagittarius if you uh, missed out on the other one the first time around. So the other thing that you can do to support the channel today, make sure that you subscribe to the channel, hit the like button, subscribe to the newsletter, and if you'd like to make a material donation to the work that I do, there's a little dollar sign in the chat. It's called a super sticker or a super chat. Or you can buy me a coffee at buymeacoffee.com. Um, okay. And we've got Remco is here. Remco, the, our friendly moderator is here. Uh, Remco is putting up Manuela's um, placeofstillness.org uh, website in the chat there today. So thank you for that, Remco. And nice to see you again, friend. Hope you're doing well from the Netherlands. All right, Manuela, let's dive into it today. Sorry, I've got, I'm a little scatterbrained. I think mm. I've lost a little blood from, from my head, from my thumb. Um, but this is the Gemini full moon show, so it, it, it couldn't be any other way, right? Mm. So, Manuela, some big picture thoughts. What do you think about this lunation in general, the astrology of the moment? 
What are we dealing with with this Sagittarius Gemini axis that we're working with today? Hmm. To me, this full moon looks a lot like a play of opposites um, that we're dealing with that very intense Sagittarian force of expansion on the one hand, and then the more nitty gritty energies that we feel coming through after the moon cycle opened in Sagittarius and now proceeds through the zodiac and culminates into, into Gemini, where we are more forced to look at the tiny details of realization of a specific project or thought process we're in. And also for this full moon in Gemini, I think it's difficult to not realize that the moon and Mars are in an exact degree-based conjunction with each other, where Mars is going retrograde in, in Gemini, mm, sitting right on top of the moon, um, yeah, which will have some sort of impact on our lives that like the thumb in the, in the most concrete <laughs> of expressions sure. but also in a more abstract sense i'm i'm sure that all of us will be able to sense something in their lives even though it will materialize <laughs> differently yeah. depending on the context of our lives and yeah so i think that's very 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 uh visible in the charts that yeah mars yeah, I hear you. moon Definitely married. Mars is going to be uh, a factor in this yeah. chart. Let's, pu let's pull this chart up real quick, Manuela, and just start looking at it together. What do you say? So this is the full moon in Gemini, the second decade of Gemini, December 7th, 2022, Wednesday, 11.08 p.m. Eastern Time. Make the proper adjustments for your time zone. Um, so we are looking at 16-degree Gemini moon conjoining Mars at 16 degrees Gemini, the sun at 16 degrees of Sagittarius, because we always have an opposite between the, the sun and the moon and a full moon, sort of something coming to fruition, something coming to light, uh, the, the flower emerging uh, from the, the, the baby plant that, or the baby seed that was planted at the new moon. Um, some other things to think about with this one that we're probably going to talk about today is just we've got four out-of-bounds planets we're dealing with, with Mars, the Moon, um, Venus, and Mercury. But just to, to expand on just the Gemini-Sagittarius axes that you were um, talking about, Manuela, um, mm. I'm, I'm feeling the, the push and the pull of a desire to want to potentially slow down my life, it, it, you know, as we come to the winter solstice. Um, a time where I would prefer to maybe go internal um, mm. to, to find meaning. Um, but I think that the Gemini moon and Mars is, to me, that Gemini energy is one that is splitting us into multiple directions, like where it is a, uh, Schmidt would call it a destabilizing energy, where, where we, were, we desire unification, we desire reflection, but the Gemini moon is going to be kind of, you know, sort of like a, a nail gun, you could say, that is, is just spraying uh, sharp things in all directions. And you may, <laughs> you may have to watch your hands or your shoulders or things of those, that nature that is related to Gemini. 
Some people think that the, the lungs are also related to Gemini, so we might have some respiratory challenges as well. Um, but really, just we're in the kind of the, almost I would say the halfway point of this Mars retrograde. Let me ask you this, Manuela, how, how, how did you, how have you been experiencing the Mars retrograde in Gemini in particular? Mm-hmm. There are no real big events coming to my mind, like big disasters or big life shifts in that sense that yeah, were out of my hands. I would rather say that uh, I took a proactive approach to the Mars <laughs> transit in Gemini, uh, where I proactively decided I will use that prolonged period of Mars in Gemini to reflect deeply on an area of my life. I had just moved from Sweden to Spain when Mars was yeah, entering Gemini. And I thought, yeah, it's my eighth house. I'm Scorpio rising. So I have my moon in, in Gemini as well. So it's, um, it's a transit that will affect me kind of um, in, in relation to how I relate to other people's resources, maybe how I relate to other people's um, yeah, approval as well. So mm -hmm. I, I will use that period to look deeply into how I uh, kind of reflect myself in, in the opinions of others. So uh, I started collecting self-sabotaging thoughts in mm -hmm. A little, a little jar. Oh yeah, I want and, to see this. I'm gonna stop share. Show us your jar. Yeah. <laughs> I love so it's this. It's empty now, but yeah. I started uh, collecting self-sabotaging uh, thoughts in that jar as soon as uh, Mars entered Gemini in August, because mm -hmm. I thought, yeah, it's it's kind of mm, symbolic of me kind of wanting wanting to fit in with the other <laughs> that, that I kind of have that so self-sabotaging thoughts in my head and I will write everything down I will put everything in the jar <clears throat> and then as soon as Mars goes retrograde around um, Halloween I will open the jar and map all the self-sabotaging themes like or notes out into themes to to deep dive into the patterns and see mm. what what sort of limiting beliefs is hidden under the surface that stand in my way to me just relying on my own resources but right. instead of yeah while i'm always kind of trying to 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 mirror myself in my environment and how can i take that power back so that's i love that's, this i love this um this reminds me of a a, a shadow integration, right? It's almost like an externalization mm. of the shadow to be re reintegrated back into the self. Mm. And, yes. you know, I think that <clears throat> limiting beliefs, I think, is a really interesting thread to follow with, with Gemini and in particular, um, Gemini being an air sign often associated mm. with the mind. This second decan of Gemini, you know, we have a, a card that we see the nine of wands, I'm sorry, the nine of swords. Mercury is going to mm. get me today, Manuela. Right, we have the Nine of Swords with someone who's having some sort of existential crisis potentially, and you know the Picatrix talks about this Deccan as being uh, 
someone with an iron helmet, right? This is a Mars rule deck in with a, an, someone who is wearing an iron helmet. I'll read a quote from Ibn Isra. Uh, it says, a black man in his head bound in lead and a weapon in his hand and an iron helmet on his head. So maybe even dealing with the weight of our own thoughts. And I love the way that you're utilizing Mars's energy of severing and sev severance uh, to be able to like remove them. Did, do you burn them in the jar? I didn't burn them. I just threw them away. But I recommended that kind of shadow work jar trick to several people I read for and everybody asked me, oh, did you burn? Do I have yeah. to burn them? It's like perhaps what we should be doing, but I didn't. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, just the act of becoming conscious and aware of it, I think is really important. Mm -hmm. So being able to verbalize those things rather than having them kicking around in your brain, like constantly like a hamster wheel of of negative self-talk, I think is that yeah. that's so great. Like I, I utilize this method daily with my journal. I do something called morning pages where um, this is something I learned from a woman named Julia Cameron, uh, the, the artist way author. And she mm -hmm. talked about doing what she called like a brain dump where you just dump all of your thoughts for the day out on the paper so that they're not just churning around in your mind. And um, it, it really is liberating because a lot of the times we chew on something because we don't have a, a proper container for it. So you literally have a, a container that you've been putting mm. these things in, which I think is yeah. really great. Um, so that's very cool. So let's let's go back to the chart again, kind of see what we're looking at here. So we've got Mars hanging out with the moon. Mars being a, you know, traditionally considered a malefic planet that is cutting, uh, wounding, thumbs up here, draws blood, <laughs> like, and the moon being associated with the body. So um, I, we have astrology in action today where I literally wounded a part of my body uh, trying to mm. get some words printed out. <laughs> so, so another thing we might be able to consider too is that Mars is, uses the resources of Gemini and hence of Mercury to be able to carry out conflicts, injuries, illnesses, things of that nature. So um, the other thing we have to be careful of is, is externalizing those negative thoughts onto, onto others, right? On, and projecting that onto someone else rather than owning it, like uh, Manu has been doing like in a very mature fashion. I, I really respect that when people are able to own their, their own inner challenges rather than making it about a quote unquote other. And I think that, you know, we've been seeing in the news cycle, there's been a lot of people that have been trying to other people um, in a very damaging fashion, especially here in America recently. And I think that that's something that, um, you know, we will see if someone isn't as conscious about what they are doing uh, in their life, like we're trying to promote here today, potentially. Um, mm -hmm. so, so we've got the moon and Mars hanging out. We have Venus conjoining the sun. I mean, not conjoining, but it is co-present with the sun. And then we've got Mercury hanging out in Capricorn. Um, what do you think? What, what should we talk about first, Manuela? Should we talk about these out-of-bounds planets or the host Mercury here? Mm -hmm. Yeah, let's keep going with the host. Yeah, so, so we've got Mercury here in Capricorn. Yeah. And 
the host is in aversion to the full moon, uh, which means that it is not able to witness by a whole sign. Um, mm. That first deck in Capricorn, what do you think about Capricorn Mercury? What, what, what might be on our mind with this full moon in relationship to the host Mercury? Mm. With the aversion, I look at it like two parallel processes ongoing. So on, on the one hand, we do have the retrograde Mars going past the moon, um, running into the moon basically at the time for the full moon, um, almost restoring something that went wrong sometime back, maybe earlier this autumn, where something needs tidying up, where something needs the cutting and burning of bridges, possibly that Mars could potentially be doing. Uh, hopefully that would happen in a fashion that wouldn't add to the damage, but that would restore something that mm. had already been damaged before. While Mercury, the host, is just speeding up a little bit and getting a little bit ahead of uh, the Mars moon con conjunction in its in its movement kind of preparing the soil for something new to um, fall into the ground and take root uh, when Mars and the moon are done with their little meetup yeah so to me it looks like Mercury is kind of running ahead a little bit to prepare the picnic <laughs> For the for the moment when when the moon and Mars are done with their little dis this process of disentangling something that is hidden under the surface. Yeah, yeah, that's that, yeah, that's really interesting. Like that Mercury might be, you know, in a future orientated mode at this point while the conflict is playing out uh, with the with the moon and Mars. You know, Mercury at this point has just recently emerged from being under the beams of the sun as well. So just the day prior to the full moon on December the 6th, Mercury will make its facis moment, an omen that speaks. So we may not even be completely aware of what the what the conflict is that we're dealing with yet. Although full moons, you know, always are reflective of a buildup of multiple actions that come to a head. So there may be, you know, you probably have a general idea of what might be in process right now. But that that you know that day before you might get messages and deliveries from Mercury that may really make it quite clear, um, mm. and and just decanically, Mercury is going to be in the first decan of Capricorn, which is related to the two of Pentacles, and really mm. this this decan is the first decan of the winter, um, the winter season after the solstice, and there's an energy of being able to both look forward and look backwards with that decan, um, where mm. we are trying to weigh the advantages and disadvantages of of a new goal of a physical place we may be taking stock of the resources that we have so that we can make a new start and sometimes mm. we have to to evaluate what what went wrong and what went right in the previous cycle um, so this is also the last full moon that we have before the winter solstice the end of the solar year so i, th mm. I do think that this is a really great time to be able to evaluate um how things have been going this year. Say, so, you know, what, what has worked? Yeah. What hasn't, you know, right? Yeah. Exploration. Yeah, and it makes me think of Cinderella with the peas sitting in that 
on the floor and sorting the peas like okay that pea needs needs to go it doesn't fill any function in my life anymore that's right. something I need to move on from and then those peas are still <laughs> there's life in them either I will eat them to nourish my body or I will put them into the soil to grow them so they will become my harvest later down the line um, absolutely um yeah I, I so get, get out your your abacuses and start counting the peas from the previous years right uh we've got a few more friends stopping in Man manuela we have claimed paradises here welcome friend amara wiley is joining us from tropical new jersey and stephen the jupiterian has stopped in so welcome friends um, we're talking full moon and Gemini here today. We've got Manuela. Uh, how do we? How, you pronounce your last name in in German for me. Kronen. Kron, Kronen. Mm -mm, that's no? Dutch, but Kronen. <laughs> <laughs> so it's not the H sound. Kronen. It's a. What is like, it? Like, like, Kronen, like Kronos, Kronos. Kronen. Kronen. Mm -hmm. Kronen. Okay. Yes. So it's not as hard of a K as. I maybe did in the beginning. Okay, go. Gotcha. Um, so I'm here with Man Manuela, and we are talking full moon in Gemini. We've just sort of broken down the host Mercury, which is an aversion to the full moon. Um, we do have a couple other planets that are aspecting by whole sign. We've got Jupiter that's going to be squaring, even though it's in the very final degrees of, of Pisces. Um, how do you see that transition of Jupiter from Pisces to Aries that's coming up on the winter solstice or the day before? Hmm. Well, Jupiter is re-entering Aries. And when Jupiter was in Aries last time, it was, I think it was opposing Mercury, wasn't it? That it was also that sort of push and pull feeling between like the big ideas and the small ideas. And then Jupiter was forced to go back into Pisces as if Jupiter had forgotten an essential um, asset or piece of luggage on the journey, like a tool that was necessary to make the journey through Aries work out in the best possible fashion. So it looks to me like, yeah, now with after yeah re restoring with something important in pisces jupiter is now prepared to actually enter aries in in a in a more complete and healthy way than what we saw some month back sure um maybe it's it's a bit abstract so i'm i'm more of some sort of visualization visual um, an astrologer who who really likes to kind of let the images come to me. I'm not always super technical about everything that I see in the charts, but to me, it looks like um, a, a re-entering that will be rather lucky since Jupiter had the chance to restore some of its power and to get wiser yeah. <laughs> before going back into Aries. So um, in the moment Jupiter will go back into Aries, I would believe that it is um, it's coming with with like the wisdom it needs, but also with the um, with the force 
to to make a lasting change since it's not it's going has been going forward and backward and now it's ready to execute the tasks it has been preparing for for so long yeah and i think that was a good point bringing up um the opposition it was making to uh mercury when it was i believe it was retrograding back through libra around that period of time and there was a number of passes that it made in the opposition to jupiter so there were at that point it feels like the personal expansive jupiterian energy or the the attempt to bring order i think that's another thing that's kind of a secret jupiter um thing that we're dealing with is you know jupiter was was not only a, a benevolent begetter of many children like it hence the expansive energy but it, he also was a liberator right he liberated his siblings from the bowels of Kronos or of saturn and brought order to the the olympian gods and to the to the to humanity or whatnot so um i think that we were attempting to bring something new into the world that was very individualistic and we had to really consider its impact on the other when it was making the opposition with the Libra yeah. planets. And now it's it's gone back into Pisces to reevaluate the why. Like say, why mm. do you want to make that new start? Why do you want to make a new individual journey? And mm. and now we're going to have a, a square that's going to come up eventually when, when we move into the Capricorn season with Aries and Capricorn. So instead of like figuring out the other person's perspective, you might be feeling some tension between, I want to make this new start, but how do I make it real, right? How do I concretize it into reality? What resources mm. do I need to bring it into a reality? So um, that's going to, I think this is the final moment, this full moon, to really ask yourself the questions, why am I doing this? Why, why do I need to make a new start? Why do I feel a dissatisfaction enough that I have to change something important in my life? Like this was something that came up in the I Ching reading. You know, we, uh, just a little preview of that. We, we had an I Ching that s spoke about shedding old skin, mold, molting, uh, revolution. Mm. And some of the changing lines were talking about, do, do you really need to make this? like this change mm. is this change important is this something that uh if you make a change is it going to have a negative effect on other people that depend on you in your life so i do think mm. it's important to really ask really challenging questions as far as like how can you make the necessary changes in your life but also maintain some of the structures capricorn that support you without mm. blowing everything up right yes and you, I'm sure that, you know, Manuela, you're a Scorpio rising. You, mm. you've had uh, a lot of, it seems like you've lived many lives. I was reading your <laughs> website and you, you've lived in many places. You've done many things in true mm. Gemini moon fashion. I wanted to ask you, how have you navigated the important changes in your life with grace? Mm. Mm. Focusing on goals, con like concrete but abstract goals has been one of the tools uh, that really have helped me because, yeah, um, I'm, I also have a lot of Jupiterian influence in my chart and 
it's it's all nice and juicy but if i don't have anything to focus my energy on it's going away yeah so having a sort of vision in my mind that is both idealistic but also concrete like for example okay i'm i don't know why i want to study geography but i think it will lead me somewhere okay so now let's study geography and let's make sure i'm doing my geography studies in four to five years mm -hmm. so in two years I want to be done with that part of my studies and I was I don't know really how I got there but I did get there then I said okay let's go back to Sweden as an exchange student let's just make that happen so I did all the classes I needed to be able to go mm -hmm. mm. I ended up in Sweden. Okay, let's do that degree. Okay, let's put everything into place to finalize that goal. So I don't always <laughs> structure the process to getting somewhere um, really, really neatly. Super, I don't do it super Saturnian, but I'm rather doing the work underneath in that more mercurial Jupiterian fashion. But the goal is always Saturnian. Yeah, because you so. have Jupiter in in Sagittarius, right? Mm -hmm. Do you have the? Are you were you were born during the Jupiter Uranus conjunction? Yes. Okay, so you've got Jupiter Uranus opposing the Gemini Moon, <laughs> and yes. then and then you've got a bunch of stuff in Pisces too, right? What else you got in Pisces? Um, Venus at twenty seven degrees, Mars at twenty six degrees, and the Sun at one degrees Pisces. I okay, mean. so you got super juiced Venus at the degree of exaltation, and yes. you have a number of planets. I would say that if I if I was thinking about your chart, you know, the 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 faith component of of Zeus and Jupiter is is prominent, right? Mm. So you know, in the way that you were describing the changes that you were making, you. You had a plan, you had a, a goal that was in mind, very Sagittarian, but then you also had the, the surrender that was necessary through the, mm. the Piscean parts of your chart to be able to say, I have this vision, I don't know exactly how it's going to play out, but I need to maybe take the leap. Have you, have you found that with, with those placements in your chart, those really nice benefics, that when you've taken the leap, the divine has been able to kind of catch you on some level? Yeah, when I go all in um that has always been necessary because always when i'm just doing it kind of wholeheartedly things don't usually start happening but once i say okay i, I cut i cut the situation in sweden i hand and notice at work i'm not going to look for for an employment in in spain mm. now i'm just doing the astrology the, the astrology business it starts slowly but it looks like it starts moving and then it's only a matter of endurance and patience and finding solutions to the problems that pop up on my way like okay mm. if I don't have money and people don't book like the, the big readings then maybe I need to offer smaller readings in physical places or just looking for for ways to make it happen but it doesn't change anything to the overarching goal it just changes some of those of the tactics maybe that i need to be tactical in the twists and turns to mm, yeah to 
build that experience and momentum into a direction. You know, I think you hit on something really interesting with that is that, especially for this full moon, is one of the things I see as the paradox or the the contradiction, I guess would be a better word, between Gemini and Sagittarius placements is mm. uh, you have a unification energy with Sagittarius where it says, I'm going to take the leap and just act. Whereas mm. there is this splitting in multiple directions through potentially through doubt through your mm. of your path with Gemini, where you say, well, should I really be doing this? And, and that's what I see with this nine of swords card is, is a, as a condition of self doubt where you mm. may be, you know, so um, paralyzed by the, options that you have from like the eight of swords card that first second of gemini that it's very difficult to to make a a choice or a decision and eventually in the last second of gemini you actually have to sacrifice some of the choices to be able to fuse something into Mm. um a a body in cancer with the moon ruled sign so i like what you're saying about the the kind of the antidote to maybe your maybe even your own gemini moon and these Mm. placements is to say I need to be all in on this. I need to actually commit to the action rather mm. than doing it in sort of a, a ha- with halfway measures. Because if you mm. if you yourself don't believe it, it may be much much more difficult to manifest. Correct? Yeah. Um, you will never get out of that state of self doubt. And I think that is that is important. And. As if you if you keep doubting yourself, you're wasting your energy on looking backwards and sideways. Mm-hmm. If you want to go forward, then that's where you need to look. Yeah. <laughs> and it's scary. And if you if there are no resources to to bridge kind of the time when things keep building momentum, then it's p- p- potentially very difficult to keep that faith. But I think that's still the the way to go and then kind of yeah finding solutions to the financial situation for the time being to to make things endurable but still knowing it's that way i'm going i'm going all in for that now um yeah i i i, I love that way of contextualizing the jupiterian mindset versus the mercurial one i I think that i I have i have venus at 16 degrees of gemini so this will be an interesting full moon for me (laughs) it already has been with this my thumb here but we're not quite there yet but we'll get there um i I relate to this energy of this nine of swords and i would say that you and i have interesting charts a relationship with our charts because my chart is probably more heavily skewed towards Mercury ruled planets with four mm-hmm. planets ruled by Mercury and yours is a little bit more heavily skewed towards Jupiter ruled planets. The, mm-hmm. the ability to just go all in on faith and then uh, let whatever happens happens is something that's so completely foreign to every fiber in my being that mm-hmm. I, I <laughs> have a lot of respect for people that are able to do it. It's just mm-hmm. something that like, I'm much more familiar with this this figure of like, oh man, I need to weigh every single possibility in my brain and just chew it to death. So and and it keeps me up at night, and mm. it would be such a relief to be able to say, you know what, 
I just need to commit to the vision and to the action, and I don't need to have complete control mm. of every mm. detail, of every part of it. You know, I, it doesn't mean I, I need to not do anything. It just means that I need to be responsive to what yeah. the next the next step is, right? That is shown to us through our relationship to the divine and the surrender, I think, that mm. maybe Jupiter may be requiring in this chart. Yeah. And maybe as as an as a mental picture to move on from the nine of swords would be checking, okay, where where did the nine of swords come from? It, it came from the eight of swords, where it's that kind of mental paralysis almost. Yeah. So the nine of swords is already a development into a more liberated state of mind. If we just read the nine of swords numerologically and elementally well the nine is like like the hermit a bit isolated but sovereign it comes with liberties it comes with mm, responsibilities since there's no one else to take care of that hermit that is all alone with their thoughts right. but um it is it is an empowered place where the mental functions are very pronounced and strong but of course when we keep second guessing our strength it brings us the despair that keeps us awake <laughs> at night and then boy, boy howdy what comes, <laughs> boy, yeah what howdy. comes after the nine of swords yeah the ten of swords right um the ten of swords is the figure with the swords um yeah, his back, pierced right? through their back yeah. bleeding it's very like that brutal <laughs> that brutal yeah, imagery <laughs> But um, it's also that state of surrender that comes <laughs> with all the number 10s in all the four suits yeah. where we have completed the circle or that cycle of the suit and worked our way up to that wisdom of mm, having integrated the wisdom of the suit and knowing there's not so much more we could do. And the aces are the divine potential and we can take all the four aces together as those Call, like calling in the directions the four elements to get that seed to pop the seed and then we walk our way up through the suits and when we come to the tens i think we should also see them as as a team all four of them together where the ten of swords alone is not the solution but we need to integrate the ten of swords with the other three tens so that we can um, surrender in that state of yeah trust that the creation we brought about is is developing its own life and it's not our responsibility to to do some sort of breathing work for that creature it's mature enough to live on its own and it's our moment to retreat and just let the universe or whatever force we believe in do what it needs to do yeah yeah i so, love that you're bringing in the transition from the nine to the ten um in the kabbalistic tree of life the nines were associated with a sephira called yesod and yesod was the moon ruled sephira which was the moon was sort of the intermediary between the planets that drew the planetary energies down to the earth to be able to become manifest in the 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 sephira of Malkut, which is the related to the tens. 
So it's, mm. I see that, that Yesod period related to these nines, related to these two decans that we're dealing with, with the sun, moon, and Mars here, as being a time before manifestation, right? It, it is yeah. the, the, the final, like, visualization. It's the final, like, what are we going to, how, what, what, how do we prepare before <laughs> the actual uh, bringing the energy down to earth, the final concretization of that material reality? And sometimes we see the result of overthinking things, right? Can lead to a defeat. Mm. <laughs> if we have too many thoughts in our head with these air signs, yeah. it can lead to a burnout. It can lead to um, mm. you know, sort of a, a something where we just cannot carry every single direction any further. Yeah. And yeah. I think that this is a great time to kind of, you know, live with some of the ambiguity uh, of Mercury yeah. and of Gemini. Uh, you know, there's a fixed star at 16 degrees of Gemini called Rigel. And Rigel, I, I've talked on this show a number of times, Rigel is the foot of Orion that is dipping his his toe or his heel or whatever it is into the, the river of the Uridanus, the longest constellation in the sky that eventually will end at its opposite uh, constellation, Hercules. And we have the sun at a fixed star called Ras al-Gethi, which is in the head of Hercules, the kneeling mm -hmm. one. So to me, this, this is a journey from the brute nature of Orion, the hunter that bragged that he could kill one of every beast, but then through his hubris was, you know, murdered by Artemis, by the giant scorpion. That's one of the Scorpio stories that we tell. Um, but then there's a, this path, though, from Orion's hubris to the humility, to the, the, the kneeling humility of, uh, of Hercules through his labors. So to me, I think that another way we can deal with the bifurcation, the splitting of attention, is to try stuff, is to like try something through experience, to mm -hmm. humble yourself through, through exploration, and then finally saying, well, this worked and this didn't, you know, this is the kind of thing where we do at the end of the year. We say what worked, mm. what didn't, what, what kind of new start do we want at the return of the light? And Rigel, I have, like I said, I have Venus on this fixed star. It just mm. feels like a flood of information. You're, you're, you're just taking in so much information that trying to figure out what to do with it is, is sometimes can feel overwhelming. For my intents and purposes, what I try to do with it is I, I try to write it all down. Like I think mm. that I, I, my notes are excessive and I, I've, I've sent excessive notes to pretty much everyone who's come on the show and a lot of them are like, whoa, that's very thorough. And I'm like, well, I have to just get it out of my head and see if mm. I can find the threads of connection with it. And I think that that's mm. what we might be trying to do too. And with, with, while we have a very, I would say Jupiter dominant energy in the sky with the sun and, and Venus and Jupiter mm -hmm. and, and Neptune there uh, yeah. while we're trying to tie up those loose ends as well. Um, yeah. Manuela, I'm going to say hi to a few people in the chat here. Uh, we've got Dawn is stopping in. Hello, Dawn. Nice to see you. A lot of people are excited about the movement of Jupiter into Aries. Uh, thank you for the super chat. Eilish is here. Thank you, Eilish, for your, for your donation. I really appreciate that. Thank you, my friend. Um, Scarlett is joining from Utah. Hello, Scarlett. Nice to see you. And um, did I forget anybody? 
just a lot of great conversation in the chat here. People are reflecting on, on their uh, relationship with potentially with um, Jupiter placements and mercurial placements. Okay. Uh, Remco, take care, buddy. Uh, Remco is doing really great work uh, moderating the chat uh, over these last few lives. So thank you, Remco. So, man, Manu, we, we've talked a little bit about Mercury and Capricorn. We've talked about uh, the differences between Sagittarius potentially unifying mm. body and spirit towards a goal and Gemini, mm. which splits us in different directions potentially. Mm. Let's talk a little bit about this out of bounds energy that we have because yeah. <laughs> there's quite a bit of out of bounds planets. Uh, yeah. We've got Mars, the Moon, Venus, and Mercury all out of bounds. And of course, mm. for, for those of you who are unfamiliar with out of bounds planets, out of bounds is when a planet is, is going outside the normal declination path of the sun at 23 degrees and roughly 26 or 27 minutes of astrological latitude above or below the ecliptic. So mm. this is a time when a planet is sort of not really having to play by the sun's rules. So what do you think these these four planets, what kind of um, manifestations might we see? What do you what do you th what are some of your reflections on this, Manu? Yeah, um, I'm a bit of an optimist with so much Jupiter ruled planets in my chart. So I always think of opportunities <laughs> whenever sure. I try to analyze charts or horoscopes and since those planets will not be under the surveillance of the big brother sun, it might invite us to test stuff that we have been thinking of for quite a long time that is a bit out of yeah, the ordinary, which contradicts the, the norms of society, like where we usually see the spotlight. Um, maybe we don't have to go all wild and do all, all sorts of crazy things, but um, if we if we look at Venus in in Sagittarius, maybe there's some kind of love related exoticism that we would like to try with um, Mercury and Capricorn. Maybe it's maybe simply new ways of going about in our daily routines, in the way we want to make money, because Mercury could be a symbol for money. Capricorn is also tied with, in with resources and how we create our resources. Um, um, with the moon, yeah, the moon will be moving um, pretty quickly, so it will be it will be in different signs, but um, yeah, maybe maybe just trying to to dress differently or to throw a party in a new way, right. um, like trying things without putting ourselves at risk or in danger of anything bad happening, but allowing ourselves those those small mm, treats of of craziness, weirdness. Since, yeah, if it's out of view, if it's a bit like hmm, unseen, well, it, it wouldn't really hurt if we, yeah, if we just test our boundaries in new ways. Yeah, I think that this is definitely a boundary, a boundary testing full moon, right? Mm. Um, 
I've often described Gemini placements in the past through some experience with some challenging Gemini placements in my life as a habitual <clears throat> habitual line stepper, uh, you know, someone who is constantly testing the line and, and where someone's boundary is. And with mm. these four planets out of bounds, that, that might be another manifestation of this full moon is testing the limits, right? Testing the limits mm. of your ideas, testing the limits yeah. of your goal and saying, does your goal hold up to the opinions of others? That's another thing that could happen as mm. well. And, you know, you were touching on each individual planet out of bounds and the moon, you know, yes, maybe we could be testing some new um, fashion when we're relating the moon and Venus out of bounds or some new aesthetic taste. It could be also something related to the body and maybe an, an exercise way or something, how we eat or how we feed or nurture ourselves. Hmm. You, know, you know, Mars out of bounds can be a little tricky. Sometimes Mars will not play nice when it's out of bounds, especially retrograde. It can be slightly more unpredictable. And we've seen a lot of expressions of anger and challenges that have been pretty pretty inappropriate, I would say, um, mm. and, and very hurtful to a lot of people, especially through the medium of, of Twitter and social media and things of that nature. Um, and yeah, I, was li- I like what you're saying too about Mercury as a, as a merchant and a, as the means of exchange where, mm. where we might be able to think about how how we do support ourselves through our our resources, our money, what we're doing to create structure in our life also. Mm. Um, I'm looking through the chat one more time here, Manu. Uh, Kate is joining us saying hello to all our astrological friends. Hello, Kate, nice to see you. Um, Kate says, for Out of Bounds, do you think things could be described as less earth-based and more spirit-based, like being beyond the confines of earth and material? That's an interesting question. Yeah, I think that that could be one way of looking at it, Kate. Although the only thing I will say about that that's coming to mind is that in traditional astrology, the the sun is actually representative of the divine. So I I wonder if we're outside of the divine, maybe it could even be the opposite. Maybe it could be, maybe we're more earthly with the planets. Maybe they're more, reflective of lunar consciousness than solar consciousness that's just amusing i don't know if that's necessarily right or not but i'm just following the threads and i i love to ask questions on this on this channel so um, but that's a Mm. that's a really interesting line of thinking what do you think manu maybe it's something subconscious which could be both spiritual and material oh there you go because the the sun is the life force that is very very conscious mm, so we enter territory yeah that is blank somehow where there's no template to mm. the right and wrong that can be kind of destabilizing sometimes can it when we are living mm. outside of our normal uh narratives and templates in life right mm. Uh, let's see here. I'm taking a look at the chat. Okay, so I think the main takeaway that I'm feeling with these out-of-bounds planets is that <coughs> each of these individual planetary impulses slash deities are going to have their own specific agenda. 
and they are not going to be respecting the normal boundaries of accepted social norms, graces, mm. rules. Uh, so it would not be surprising to see people acting out of character at this full moon completely. And that can throw us for a loop a little bit. That can be very destabilizing when we act out of character because I think oftentimes we put people in a certain box and we have certain expectations, whether they're our family members, our friends, our celebrities, political figures. We, we expect them to act a certain way. That is something that br brings many people security. And when they mm -hmm. act out of character, that can be very destabilizing for our own minds and cause us to feel unsafe. So I think mm -hmm. that that's something to maybe meditate on here too, is that how do we prepare ourselves when people are acting out of character that we normally rely on for stability? So I want, I want to throw that question back to you, Manuela. What do you think about that? Mm -hmm. I guess I would ask you, have you had people in your life that have acted out of character and how have you responded to be able to reunify that situation as well? Hmm. <laughs> out of character can, it, it can be incredibly subjective. It, it, it's like somebody might feel they're acting entirely normal and I think, oh, wow, that's quite out of character. So, um, I've had several friends behaving weird, like one friend who was no longer a friend who just sent me a super long email without any any pre-warning, like ex accusing me of that. Yeah, like, just explaining very very upset how. how little I communicated and kind of tried to to meet her to, to resolve it but then she didn't want to meet her because she assumed I would be there a time when she wasn't available and then I said yeah if you don't even want to meet me then I don't see a point with us being friends and then she said yeah but do you think I would have made that effort to send you that long email if I didn't want to be friends and it's like I don't I don't understand the logic behind yeah, sure. it there's not much more I can do than just cutting just cutting that contact and, and saying yeah I'm sorry but it doesn't work for me and it's not that I want to judge her on her character because yeah. I'm sure she had her reasons for uh, developing the thread the way she did um, but sometimes it's just a matter of patience just taking a step back and letting letting people take a deep breath and just seeing what will change <laughs> if they get more time to reflect on their their point of departure sometimes it's about protecting myself and just taking a step back and saying well I'm kind of out of here yeah. without creating a conflict and with some people it's possible to address a conflict and to say well what I'm hearing from you is this and that and my response to that would be this and that and maybe we could try this and that and if somebody's responsive to that there might be a solution to the situation but 
Mm. Usually when I feel like somebody's acting out of character, it's not to be too judgmental too too early on would be sure. my first reaction because um, it looks like that five of swords situation <laughs> <laughs> yeah. when like the swords are just clinging and yeah. kind of getting into a fight and sometimes it's not not possible to understand everything directly but it takes time and a, an emotional mindset to work certain things through so my advice would be okay if you find somebody acting out of character withdraw from the situation first yeah. make sure that you that you are safe that you don't get involved into a cat fight and um take your time to think about the situation and if you feel like it's worth addressing the conflict then do so when you have a plan well yeah manu dawn has a really nice comment piggybacking off what you are yeah. describing she says that austin Kopic the other day said it and it made me take notice what is my prize for this conflict <laughs> you yeah. know, which which is a great question to ask yourself what what would the the best possible outcome be of actually engaging in a conflict with somebody yeah. and you know it's it's you know your story really seems reflective of the of the astrology quite quite poignantly um mm. one sent you a long email a communication accusing you of not communicating you know like in the way that they expected right mm. that they had a certain expectation and it you know i think that there's been a lot of conflicts <laughs> in ours during this retrograde where mm. we have a a differing of opinion a differing of methodology and people can get really uh, bent out of shape about seeing somebody do something in a different way. Like there mm -hmm. is, people are, we've in America at least, we've had a lot of people that have, have been uh, creating conflict um, due to being against diversity. And that's something mm -hmm. that has been really toxic in the media in America in particular. And that's one of the beautiful things about Gemini is being able to respect the the diversity of all of the different flowers in the field, right? And all of yeah. the different, you know, subsections of humanity. And we, we've seen a lot of uh, anger arise and conflict arise out of that. And one of the things I was suggesting since we started talking Mars Gemini retrograde was that I was I was warning people to be careful about making ultimatums that you can't mm. back off from. And it sounds like in that, that situation that you had that an, an ultimatum was, was presented to you and you're like, okay, <laughs> I guess that's what you want to happen. But I like your advice about when we are presented with a conflict like that, the first thing that is important to do is to compose yourself and really think about what is at stake. I think that that's what Dawn was, was really talking about. What is really at stake mm. here? What is what is what are we actually arguing over number one i think mm. getting clarity is really important because when we make assumptions that can that can be really um damaging when we assume someone else thinks or believes something uh mm. thinking about what is actually to be gained by engaging in conflict mm. with somebody and yeah. then how do we get unified in our internally in ourselves as to what we really believe because i think a lot of the times I know that this has been true for me. Whenever I feel, whenever there's a conflict that has been externalized, oftentimes it's because I'm feeling unsure 
of myself mm. internally and that yeah. what someone is saying to me externally is triggering that particular uncertainty and mm. it's very easy as a human being to externalize that pain and that trauma and that uh that inability to integrate shadow energy like you've done so beautifully with your jar um that we may need someone to point the finger at so that we don't feel that pain we need to externalize it and and, and as we I want to keep repeating this because I love the example that you gave at the beginning of this this talk is you can externalize these insecurities these challenges but you don't have to necessarily engage with other people to do it <laughs> right? yes yes right? does that make sense yeah and i i think many of us are they we we grow up with that teaching that we should be responsive to other people like okay if somebody creates a conflict around us then we are obliged to engage with that conflict because it's it's part of our social behavior to to not to withdraw but to show up right. and right. i don't think we have to i think if there's somebody is creating a conflict in our environment or around us we don't we are not forced we're not kind of um what's the word mm, obligated we're not in yeah we're not yeah exactly we're not yeah. obligated to to involve with people other people's drama yeah. because it's it's our life it's our choice and if somebody who has called us a friend for 20 years suddenly throws shit at us mm -hmm. well it it might be a sad development to silently withdraw but in order for us to stay sane and mm, not to end up in other people's problems sometimes it's it's the wiser choice just to kind of silently walk backwards and let them let them be so sure. mm, and then of course there are other <laughs> other examples where somebody's just really sad and and we know we will be able to to get them and ourselves and the friendship back on track if we make that investment of listening and being able to compromise. So. That's a great point. I want to follow that thread a little bit more, Manu, here, because I mm. think that oftentimes when people have externalized and pointed fingers and externalized a shadow onto us and, and begun a conflict, mm. most of the time it comes from their own internal suffering and yeah. maybe instead of engaging in that conflict and and adding fuel to it maybe the proper yeah. response i think that you seem to be suggesting maybe is how can we meet the conflict with compassion and say why are you ask questions why, why are you hurting what is it that yeah. is that where is that pain coming from right mm. while also maybe being protecting yourself enough to say if they do unload some of that pain, it's about them, not about you. <laughs> Does that make yes. sense? Yes. Right? Mm. It's so hard to, to, sometimes that's so hard to uh, understand when we're having mm. interpersonal conflicts with folks is that it's okay sometimes for someone to express their negative feelings if we don't take it on and consume it, you know, and make it a part of us. 
you know, I guess it comes back to healthy mm. boundaries, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and it's it's a matter of perspective. Um, actually, the Six of Swords is my favorite minor arcana mm -hmm. because <laughs> it's the journey. It's the the number six with harmony, community, but still right. it's mental, and it's the people in the boat going in the same direction, the boat. Yeah and everybody going in the same direction um after like the 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 fight in the five of swords it doesn't necessarily mean that everybody is sharing the same perspective as soon as they end up in the boat but at least they're going in the in the same direction and the direction is more important than um <coughs> the exact I'm consensus trying to, i'm trying to find those cards and sorry for being so slow Right. Ah, yes. <laughs> I have one hand. Um, yeah, um, let's let's look at that real quick because I that this is that card in particular was mm. an antidote that T. Susan Chang talks about for the Nine of Swords challenges mm. to the the division of a divided mind, right? Yeah, uh, through being split by a paradox that or a contradiction that isn't easily resolved. Mm. You know, the, the Six of Swords is a Aquarian Deccan. It's the second Deccan of Aquarius. And I think that it takes a, it's a Mercury ruled Deccan, so that there's communication involved. How do you communicate between those in the center and those in the periphery? Mm. Um, I think also what it would necessitate is a, a measure of objectivity. So being able to rise above like Saturn does from that very distant perspective to, to try to get some distance from your situation to be yeah. able to start moving in a similar direction to find what does unify you rather mm. than getting so hyper-focused on what mm. your differences are. And yeah. you know, the other, the other one that, that she recommended for this is the, the nine of pentacles, which is the, mm. uh, in her estimation, the, the elemental opposite in the tarot. And she talks about the nine of pentacles being something where then this, this, this is a, someone who is very self-contained is very uh you know confident in their own material abilities confident in their own sense of self um mm. she talks about you know what we talk about on this show it's a lot yeah. easier to be kind to others when you're being kind to yourself this is about good self-care mm. right and then not comparing yourself to others caring mm. for the body reminding yourself of your own positive contributions to the world rather than getting fixated on our sense of lack or a sense of comparison. Mm. This is another thing that I think Gemini placements sometimes have challenges with is comparing ourselves to others because we're projecting mm. not only the, a shadow, but sometimes mm. we project our good qualities onto others. Like we, we have an aspirational quality. I know this mm. from experience with, with Gemini Venus. Sometimes I will fall in love with something or someone that represents mm. something that I would love to integrate in my own yeah. personal space. And uh, we have to learn that sometimes it's not necessarily that person, that situation. It's something that they are, uh, they represent, if that makes sense. Do you feel this with your moon ever? That, do you ever externalize that? Like something that you're aspiring towards and, ex and externalize it on, on the other? Yeah. I think I reflect a lot about what other people in, in certain settings would think of me 
yeah. and how uh, how I appear in the more like environmental <laughs> in, in like in the environment of a greater bigger setting mm, like with a moon which is the environment or the kind of the body that I can spend too much time <laughs> reflecting on oh did they think I'm I'm weird how did I smile in that queue it's kind of to an extreme that I mean I'm aware of it to some degree but um it's yeah it's something I'm working on just reminding myself people are not paying that much attention to me and it's like um, (laughs) (laughs) that's that's a hard lesson as as a Leo ascendant I think people that have Leo placements especially Leo ascendants and sons there's a hyper awareness on yeah. on our own self image and mm. that was something i had to learn the hard way is not everybody's looking at you all the time not everybody's thinking about you 24 7. yes and, which is actually great because uh, if you if someone was thinking about you all the time and j- silently judging you which is what we think in our minds oh mm. god i'm being judged it, there's a lot more anxiety that can come from that and yes. i think aging leos in my estimation is getting a lot more to the point where you're like i just don't really care they're not thinking about me all the time it's nice when they do but i i'm not attached to it right yeah it's that that detachment that that aquarius balancing energy that comes through which is Mm. really great um kate has some really nice comments here dawn is saying that i god i wish people would do that spencer communication makes me so happy me too dawn i think that a lot of times, oh, that's a that's a cute mug, Manuela. Yeah. <laughs> a little owl. <laughs> it's a fox. Oh, it's a fox. Okay, <laughs> it's an <a> owl fox. <laughs> Very cool. I love it. Um, so, yeah, oftentimes we need to ask questions when we often will default to making declarative statements and assumptions. So I think that's another thing to do, but try to ask questions in a way that aren't accusatory at this full moon, I think is really important, mm-hmm. especially with Mars there, because oftentimes a question can come off as a judgment, like, why would you do that? <laughs> like, is very different yes. than, why would you do that? What What is, what are you thinking there? Explain your process. There's a difference in those types yes. of expression. And Mano and I, as, mm-hmm. as water sons, are like, oh God, if someone's tone was, you know, like that, we'd be like, woo. But, but a lot of times people aren't aware of their tone, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if you do have a lot of water placements in your chart, you may be tuned into the subtleties of people's communication. But if you don't, mm. let's say you're you're very earth or, or air dominant, maybe even fire dominant, anything that is not water, you may not be as tuned into the subtleties of that. And you may not even know when you're expressing something that your more sensitive friends may, may be like, oh God, what's wrong with them today, right? Mm. Uh, Kate also says, might illuminate a bit of sweating the small stuff versus not sweating anything at all. Venus and Gemini sounds like falling in love with ideas. Maybe Venus and Sagittarius balances uh, with love and beliefs. Yeah, I like uh-huh. that. I like that. Yeah. Um, I definitely fall in love with an idea every every once in a while, and I have to separate. One of the things that I will say about the difference between Venus Gemini and Venus Sagittarius, and you have Venus Pisces, so I'd be curious to see how this works for you, Manu. Hmm. But it's very easy for me to fall in love with the idea of a person. And I can Mm. split my love in a lot of different directions. 
And what I've often had to do, and I have a Venus-Neptune opposition in my chart, so I can glamorize the ideal of someone. And oftentimes my solution to that is to, is not to pull back from it, but actually lean into the person to mm. actually understand who they really are instead of what my ideal and what my idealized vision of it is. Because when I get in, in, you know, when I'm able to see what the reality of a person is, I'm like, oh, that's not necessarily the grass is greener on the other side type of thing. This is just a real human being, not mm. a deity that I've put on a pedestal <laughs> that where I'm actually trying to connect with some sort of divine thing within myself and, and trying mm. to externalize it onto a person. I think this is, you know, Kate, what you're saying, Venus and Gemini can exalt a, an, a, an, the ideal of a person to divine status. And um, that's not always healthy. <laughs> In fact, it isn't quite healthy. Yeah. What would you say a Venus Gemini or a Venus uh, Pisces native would do, a Jupiterian Venus native would do in those circumstances? I think that Venus in Pisces wants to dissolve in another person or just dissolve in love in general. Yeah. <laughs> but there is that transcendent quality to maybe the body, to harmony, to love, that it's really, there's a danger of being out of bounds constantly. <laughs> sure. So since there is that 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 urge or ambition or kind of desire to <clears throat> to experience another person entirely mm -hmm. and when that not happens it's kind of yeah i'm not i'm still not yeah that yeah I'm yeah the, the merging consciousness right yeah that's yes. uh that's heavy um, i my partner Tanya has some Venus in Pisces oil that she elected at a planetary election for her third coast mojo. <laughs> and sometimes I wear that and it, it, it definitely, you feel this oneness <laughs> with people that you communicate with mm -hmm. and with you. There's a, an emotional connection where it, you almost are able to feel their feelings and like have this, this, this empathy that you wouldn't normally experience in the everyday. And I'm sure that this is like just a natural type of way of being yes. for you, right? <laughs> yes, and uh, I would say that I feel people on the distance. I can, yeah. I feel them in their, in their way of writing. I feel them in their voice. Yeah. So it's clear sentient mm -hmm. and it's, it's helpful in some moments and in other moments. It's not helpful at all, in particular when I'm dealing with difficult people and I sure. feel like, okay, there's all that kind of backstory to, to the people who are not feeling well and I understand them, but at the same time, when, I, when, when, when it gets too, too overwhelming, I don't know how to withdraw. Mm. And it doesn't happen very often, but it's just some... Sometimes, yeah, sometimes when things get too intense. Yeah, I think mm. that knowing how to separate self from other, uh, again, mm. could be another theme when we're dealing with Mercury and Jupiter uh, placements. So let's mm. go back to our chart again here, Mano, and kind of 
kind of wrap up some of the details of this this lunation. I think we've gone down a lot of interesting rabbit holes here. Um, we have a couple myths that are associated with the Gemini story. Um, one of them being in the second decan, Sibylle and Attis. Sibylle uh, was the um, was a dual gendered god that the other gods were jealous of of the potency of this god and struck off the phallus and it fell to earth and from it like this almond tree grew and a, a passing nymph came by and ate one of the almonds and was instantly pregnant with this Addis. and there was this this longing for the lost self that came through that story and eventually they they united with each other but i think that there was a tragic end to it i think that um I think Addis wasn't able to handle uh, being being with a deity of, of sorts, um, but I'm I'm not sure how that particular story completely ended. But I don't think it was a, it was a good ending, which which tells me that sometimes there are dualities that can't always be reconciled, that cannot be unified mm-hmm. potentially, and that is um, that's unfortunately part of our our physical existence. Um, and then the other one was the the Gemini story that I like to associate with with the twelfth house of, of the Thema Mundi, where Gemini falls in the metaphorical natal chart of the world. It's called the myth of Ur. Um, are you familiar with that story, Manu? Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. So, you know, basically the the myth of Ur, a Roman soldier dies and is. Uh, retains his consciousness through the death process and gets to see how things work in the afterlife and people are choosing lots to be able Mm -hmm. to be reincarnated back on the earth and he's seeing all the choices that people are making uh you know there's a rich person that is is deciding to go back as a as a dictator uh but chooses to have that power (laughs) over people also with the realization eventually that they will have to consume their their children or something like that some horrific evil that will come from that Hmm. so i think that there's an anxiety in gemini as a before birth type of energy as something where we are saying this is we, we are trying to weigh every single option and how do we parse all of that out with our decisions and I guess the the thread that, that where I've landed with this is there are some philosophical traditions that are saying no matter what choice that you make uh you're going to end up in roughly the same place eventually right uh through either quote unquote making a mistake or a failure or through your success like there's that's mm. kind of a stoic perspective on it but what are what are some of your reflections with this story and how we might be able to to integrate that mythos into our into this experience of this full moon Mm. what i read into the myth of Ur is the kind of the moral that we should seek out justice as a benchmark uh, and faith in in kind of the truth and in in the right that there is some sort of objective mm, roof to our choices 
And it's not always about the exact forum that we choose, but rather the way in which we lead our lives, mm. um, regardless of the lot we have been given. So um, that we would avoid the extremes. So we wouldn't be super poor and then choose a super rich life as a dictator. We wouldn't be super rich, but plagued by humanity and then choosing to be an, uh, an ant just to escape mm. like the, the human vices, um, but that we would be conscious of higher virtues that could guide us no matter where we're at, currently at, mm. which like again that. would lead my thoughts to the six of swords. Um, it's not about mm, the darkness or the light. It is about the direction. So that brings us back to sort of our free will versus fate question, isn't it? Like when we are experiencing maybe a negative lot in life, we get to kind of choose our our reaction to it, right? Our our integrity, yes. our morals yes. around it, right? Mm -hmm. So that that might be another way to deal with the energy of this full moon is there may be circumstances that that split or divide your attention, your sense of self in multiple directions, maybe potentially through conflict. But at the end of the day, you get to choose how you respond to that and whether it's in alignment with creating unification in, in the world or whether it's in alignment with your own values. Uh, you know, I think that that's mm. a great way to think about a remediation for some of the, the, the splitting energy that we may see here. Mm. Okay. Manu, we're we're yeah. rounding the bend here. We're coming towards the the end of the line here. Let's let's talk just a little bit about how this may be playing out at the last quarter. I'm going to take this opportunity. Thank you, friends that are in the chat. Thank you for all your comments and your contributions. I'm trying to keep up with the chat here, but we've been having such a good discussion here. Um, trying not to split my attention in too many different directions <laughs> but if you could do me a favor friends and, and like this video and subscribe to the channel and the newsletter if you if you haven't done so already that would be doing me a huge favor please visit manu at placeofstillness.org um, and support her work and her youtube channel place of stillness astrology as well so if you can do all those things for me that would be great and um yeah so let's talk manu let's talk about just this last quarter moon mm. before we get to the new moon in Capricorn. So we've got the next phase of this full moon is going to be happening. I don't know why this does this lately. I've been a little bit, I don't know why my astral gold does not go to the exact degree, but so it goes roughly at about 24 degrees of Virgo. We're going to see mm. a square between the sun and the moon. And this is the last quarter moon where we, you know, according to Dane Rudyard and his, I believe you have that book behind you on the shelf, the lunation cycle, that this is yes. some kind of existential crisis of, of maybe even letting go and shifting perspective. Um, what, what do you think about last quarter moons? What do you think about the, the difference between the Virgo and the Sagittarius, the Virgo moon and the Sagittarius sun here, the challenges? Mm. Virgo is also Mercury ruled, and now Mercury can actually see the moon. 
Um, and it all gets very earthy since Mercury is in, in, in Capricorn. Yeah. So it's almost like um, that entire process of re-evaluation and releasing some of the old stuff, um, plowing the soil for the new seed to fall into the ground is reaching that state of, okay, um, where we need to ask, who does it serve? Mm. Like, what is it good for? That's what I see with Virgo, um, that, that there is that necessity to find out not only if the idea holds the test of kind of the test of logic, it's also if it uh, can stand strong against the test of humanity. Mm. Um, I like that or a sort of service, the service-oriented perspective. So um, I think that's when we will realize if we have resolved the conflict constructively uh, so that it can lead to resolution uh, and reconciliation in the end, or if it's just a big mess. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think that... Yeah, things start to get real <laughs> this last quarter moon, doesn't it? Yeah, that last decan of Virgo is that that's another 10, right? And when we're talking about the tens of manifestation in the Kabbalistic mm -hmm. tree of life, and that 10 of pentacles says this is the end of a material process. So mm -hmm. all of the questions that we may be asking at the full moon, you know, this last quarter moon may be sort of like, all right, is it? you know, what is going to work and what isn't? What are we going to pass on as a legacy for this new solar cycle, even mm. when we get to the winter solstice? And what are we going to just return to the earth and eliminate? I think that the, that's the main difference I noticed between Virgo and Gemini is, you know, being the, the young mercurial mm. sign, there's an expansive quality to Gemini, where it's a, you know, trying to pollinate all sorts of different flowers. And then you get to the harvest cycle of uh, the yin of Mercury in Virgo, there's an elimination of options. There's an elimination mm -hmm. uh, so that we can be able to pass on something as a legacy that this, this deck in, in particular is, is very mm -hmm. much concerned with entropy, with, with decay, but also preservation uh, of mm -hmm. something that needs to be passed on to the next generation. And there's going to be an opposition with Jupiter and, and Neptune during this, this lunar square. Um, you may have to strike a balance between the form and the essence. We, we, mm. if, if there was, if I had a, uh, an esoteric name for this channel, it'd be form and, and essence, you know, because <laughs> I, I speak about it all the time. <coughs> <Yeah>. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> I think I've, uh, I'm feeling your respiratory <laughs> challenge over the over the ocean here um this is this is two water suns getting together and like you know merging consciousness <laughs> like, uh so i think that we have a a point in time where we need to understand the process that we're going through and understand the process of where we've been but maybe not get overly attached to it because we are going mm. to be coming up on a time where it's really important to have new and innovative ideas. You look at this trine that's going to be happening between Mercury and, 
and Uranus around that period of time when we get to the new moon. Um, mm. It's time to do things in a new way. So mm. this may be a good time to eliminate all the things that aren't working to get yourself to the finish line of the, the new solar year. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and then that, of course, we'll have the new moon in Capricorn on the 23rd. And that's at one degree of Capricorn that's going to be squaring a newly ingressed Jupiter into Aries. And we'll, we'll get to that at another live stream. But um, any just very broad big picture thoughts with this lunation that we're coming up on at the end of December? Hmm. Yeah, I was looking at the giant stellium in Capricorn <clears throat> and um, I thought it could really have to do something with resources where we reconsider our own resources where we can work on themes such as uh, I'm worthy um, it's okay to be looking for monetary resources but also a time where we potentially could evaluate our relationship to the earth's resources since yeah if, if the if the earth doesn't wake up after winter and comes with the spring and life force that will feed us yeah there will be no humanity on this planet pretty soon so i think it's it's a good time in the year to create that consciousness around our personal habits in relationship to everything with with resources and Mm. yeah that would be my 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 topic for that yeah, I think resources i love bringing in the global consciousness with it mm. i think that you know capricorn i was saying this the other day on another live stream where when i was studying <clears throat> modern astrology <laughs> and when i thought of the beginning of the zodiac as aries which I don't necessarily think that anymore. I think of it as a much, much more cyclical and, and circular than in my mind with a beginning and an ending of that nature. Mm. I think of Capricorn as just as important of a beginning as I do Aries at this point. And I think that we've got a point in the year where we have the beginning of a material process. And yes. as Kate was pointing out, uh, you know, Virgo she was thinking about encapsulating for Virgo comes to mind, preservation, which is the mm. end of a material process. So at yeah. the end of the material process, we say, how can we infuse this material ambition into form and then release, release it into the world to be preserved or release it back to the earth to decay? Mm. And, you know, Capricorn, it's really about the structure that we're going to be working with throughout that material process. So, mm. you know, as far as the structures of the earth and preserving the earth's resources go, I mean, as much as I hate to say it, we're, we're heading into a period where we really have to start becoming very innovative, like you were suggesting, mm. to be able to survive as a species if we keep going the, the exact way that we've been going over the past few centuries, we, we, we might not have a... a, a habitable planet for humanity and mm. and people say oh we've got to save the planet well i think the planet's going to be just fine what we need to do is save ourselves <laughs> like, <laughs> because in my humble opinion the mm. planet is an organism that will 
uh, we can either work symbiotically with or that will eliminate us if we mm. become too annoying to it uh, through abusing that symbiotic relationship. Yes. Uh, so I think the question, the question isn't, how are we going to save the earth? How are we going to save the ocean? It's like, no, how are you going to save your ability to, to sustain human life and animal life and plant life on this? Because it's all connected, right? We are connected with the animal life and plant life on this planet. Mm. If that life doesn't survive, neither will we. So yes. things to heavy, heavy thoughts, heavy Saturnian thoughts for, potentially with this uh, new moon in Capricorn. Mm. Okay. Manu, I think yeah. we've gotten to the end of the astrological part of the show. How you feeling? Oh, yay. Are you doing okay over there? I know it's a little yeah. later in Europe. Oh, uh, not, not that late. Not too uh, late. It's, it's not nine o'clock yet. So, okay. no, it's it's great. Um, it's great to be on your, on the show. So thanks again for having me. Um, I'm really enjoying it. It's It's new to me to be on an astrology live stream I've done stuff like that in the tarot community and sure. we've had guests and interviews and things like that but yeah you're doing it's, great it's uh, a bit it's a bit more relaxed when when i'm not in charge of leading the, the discussion it's it's a bit more laid back just to be a guest well so i, try, I try to provide i try to provide a safe space and and uh yeah a, you know i always want my guests to feel comfortable yeah. and be able to mm -hmm. spotlight their wisdom and their knowledge in the best way possible so yeah. I think you've done a great job today, Manu, and I'm yeah. I'm excited yeah. for your the future of your channel as well and the work that you're doing. I think you have a really yeah. creative way of presenting the material on your channel. Like you, you you're very meticulous about organizing a very artistic uh, <laughs> and kind of I don't know. It's it's like a I like that on your on your website you are talk about being a, a green nun, right? Oh yes, <laughs> <laughs> I like you. Right? In lack of a better term, yeah. <laughs> categories are always tricky. So it was the best um, label I could come up with because I didn't want to call myself a green witch because it feels like, okay, then I'm into witchcraft. I didn't want to call myself uh, a druid because I'm not. Uh, so it's just a mission statement, value statement that I have summarized under the headline. Yeah. My green nun lifestyle. Yeah, I like it. Well, yeah. it, the yeah. energy of like, I don't know, fairy magic comes through on your channel, which <laughs> I think is really nice. And I think that leads us into the animal that we have uh, for this particular uh, lunation. I always pull an animal and an I Ching for the mm -hmm. lunation to, to guide us through any challenges that may come up. And I, I picked the firefly, which is very magical. It's It's got kind of a, a nice whimsical innocence to it, right? Yeah. Um, so t tell me a little bit more about, you You have a deck that you work with, and tell me a little bit more about the firefly within your deck. Oh, yeah. It's Kim Krenz's, uh Spirit Animal Oracle deck. So it's the same creator as the Wild Unknown Tarot and Wild Unknown um archetypes and it is a, a a sweet little animal deck um it's even an oracle deck that has a system behind it so it's elementally organized and i think the firefly is part of the air suit mm -hmm. and kim kranz describes that card as being in yeah an energy of being inspired and fantastic like yet a bit fleeting 
with the light of a thousand stars, um, high frequency energy that is very difficult to uphold over a longer period of time. So I think it mirrors a bit the kind of Gemini, the Gemini frantic that yeah. sometimes, sometimes come through. I think Sagittarius can be a bit more enduring in their enthusiasm while Gemini can easily lose interest. So the energy for the idea needs to come and then they need to mm. embark on a project. And if they don't, well, then it's just, yeah. Yeah, that another makes day, sense. Another that feels platform. very mutable, right? Mutable <laughs> energy with the with the transit transitory nature of those mutable signs to from mm. one season to the next. I love how yes. you're talking about trying to capture the idea before it, before the light goes out, right? <laughs> like, yes. Um, so, you know, some other notes I had about the firefly, it, it is a light in the darkness and we are coming mm. up on the darkest day of the year. We're, yeah. we're in the final push to try to get to the finish line of the solar year. And it can, I think that there's a lot of exhaustion that happens in this time of the year. I know personally, I feel very tired at this mm. time of the year, and I just want to retreat. And the way that capitalism in North America in particular, I don't know how this works in Europe, the way that capitalism pushes us into action, <laughs> and pushes us into mm. in interaction with others is yes. counterintuitive to me seasonally. And I think that how do we, uh, participate in ways that are in alignment with our values, right? Mm. That are, how do we find hope within the dark part of the year? How do we still maintain that like hope in the divine and have faith in the process to work out instead of constantly overthinking things? To me, Firefly is a, is a symbol of faith, you know, because mm. it, it has light in the darkness. It is able to illuminate, but through its own inner light, it is not an externalized light. It is through coming in touch with something that is inside of you. Yet Kate yeah. says, be the light. Exactly. The firefly is the light. So associations with the mystery and magic of life, embracing that mystery. It's involved with hope when all seems dark related to the pre-winter solstice. It, it, it cautions to be careful of burnout. Um, you need to pace mm -hmm. yourself. You were talking about the ephemeral nature of Gemini and like saying, okay, we, we, it's not, we're not always able to sustain the enthusiasm through those mutable signs. So we have to pace ourselves and try to concretize it and make it real so that when Capricorn season comes along, we have still some energy to, to like, you know, plan for the year ahead and plan for mm. what we're going to be um, trying to manifest. Mm. So finally, it says, believe in yourself, shine your light, uh, follow your own guiding light. Oftentimes when we get into these interpersonal conflicts, these, these long emails, these social media chains, we are mm. basing our self-worth on whether someone else approves of us or not. And that's yeah. when we can really get into trouble. Um, mm. This is something that I've, I've really been trying to work with a lot with working with the fixed star Regulus, which is the heart of the, the lion in Leo. And, mm. it, you know, part of the energy of Regulus is not really caring what other people think about you, like within reason, not, not being a narcissist about it. You want to have compassion and you want to not run roughshod over people, but not basing your self-worth on other people's opinions, which funnily enough, actually magnetizes self-respect. It, it magnetizes people's approval because when people see someone that doesn't actually care whether they approve of them or not, they're like, wow, that's, that's attractive. I wish I could be like that, <laughs> you know, like, so yes. I know that I have a, a healthy respect to someone who's like, oh, they, 
they don't give a crap mm. what people think about you. This this actually brings to mind a show that I've been watching this week. Um, do, you, do you have Netflix over there in Spain? Yeah, we have. So I've been watching mm. the show Wednesday, which is the new like uh, Adams Family show. Uh, this, oh, this wonderful mm. actress Jenna Ortega has been a really iconic um, mm. version of Wednesday. And Wednesday is one of her defining features is that she just really could really give two two shits what people think about her. And she goes off and does her own thing. She's sort of a, a loner. But it, there's just this this beauty in that ability to kind of be self-contained. And yeah. uh, eventually there are lessons in connecting with others that happen throughout that show and through that attitude. But I think Firefly can speak to having a healthy balance between being self-contained and mm. working with others, which I think is what this this full moon might bring to us. Mm. Okay, the hexagram that I got <clears throat> is hexagram number 49, which translates to revolution, molting, shedding old skin, metamorphosis, transformation, out with the old. Mm. Seems fairly appropriate for the end of a year where we're saying, all right, I've 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 used up all that solar energy, what's next, right? Mm. But we have three changing lines, Manu. We have uh, line number one says, wrapped in the hide of a yellow cow. That's the quote. Mm. Yellow being the color of the mean and moderation and the cow being related to docility. So this, this line speaks to having a restraint through exercising moderation and patience. We do have Mars retrograde. It's not a direct Mars conjoining the moon. It's a retrograde Mars. So... <laughs> This is something where I was talking about earlier about instituting changes potentially, but only when they're necessary. You need to do so carefully with planning and preparation and potentially mm. rein in the impulsivity and the speed of Mercury. Mercury generally likes to do things very quickly. And, mm. and sometimes that can get us into trouble if we're acting too rashly. Um, yeah. Line number three says, starting brings misfortune. Perseverance brings danger. When talk of revolution has made the rounds three times, there is confidence. So this again asks us to slow down. It mm. says you don't need to act on some impulse the first time it goes through, the first time it cycles yeah. through. Um, rash actions without preparation will backfire. Avoid recklessness, especially because there are other people to consider. Oftentimes mm. we want to take action in our, wor in our worlds. Um, we will especially want to take very self-directed individual actions when Jupiter moves into Aries. We might be like, I don't care what other people think. This is what I'm going to do. This is how I'm going to individuate. But we do have to consider that we are all connected. Our actions do mm. affect pe other people. If we have a family, our actions will affect our partner. Our actions, our actions will affect our children if we have them. They'll affect our pets if we have them, our parents, uh, mm. our friends, our communities. And it's, it is important to consider the ramifications of those actions. Um, so it, it encourages you to com fully contemplate the changes in your life, going over it the three times. Finally, the, th the last line says, the superior person changes like a leopard. The continence of the petty person is transformed. Setting forth brings misfortune. To remain persevering brings good fortune. So this final line and i like to read the lines from the bottom up in the in the I Ching, so that you can think of this as a story we need to for, for revolution to take place we may feel inspired to make changes we need to practice moderation mm. we may also then need to practice patience and slow our roll and then eventually mm. the changes will 
take place. Um, and there may be small details to work out. This line encourages releasing perfectionism. Mm. We may not be able to do every single change that we want to do exactly the way that we think we want to do it in our brain. Yes. I'm, I'm reminded of the concept of, I believe it's called Wu, Wu Wei, which is an, a Japanese artistic concept where you leave the final 10% of any artistic creation to nature or the divine to complete. You leave it sort of unfinished and natural. Oh. And I feel like that's really important for this, mm -hmm. this full moon is not having mm -hmm. to have everything exactly the way that you visualize it and letting the process play out because you might be surprised how well something turns out from divine intervention, right? Yeah. Um, so that's, the, the funny thing about this is it's changing to the hexagram number 12, which translates to standstill, stagnation, blockage, misfortune, disharmony, and hindrance. Mm. Now that's not super positive, <laughs> but there's always lessons in that, isn't there? There's always lessons in every hexagram of the I Ching. Mm. So, I think that one of the things that the I Ching does is it gives us a warning. I think mm -hmm. that we have a, an essence of the first hexagram and we need to make sure that we're following the advice of the changing lines or the, the energy is changing to this standstill. I think that what this may be suggesting is that if we do not heed the advice of those changing lines through moderation, patience, mm -hmm. and potentially, uh, releasing perfectionism that could lead to some stagnation in our life that could lead to a, a, a an impasse yes. and um i think that it's important to to try to follow this advice <laughs> i guess what are, any reflections that you have on that that reading for the ching for the lunation yeah um the first part reminded me of our conversation around out of bounds planets mm -hmm. and that need to gently detach from certain expectations <laughs> or from a specific way of being involved in the conflict um maybe also expectations that we might have on ourselves and conflicts that we might carry out with ourselves and kind of staying a bit <laughs> in that stoic mindset or an equanimity where we can kind of work our way like uh, that creature from Ice Age. I think it's um, Manfred the Melancholic Mammoth, kind of just <laughs> yeah. taking one step at a time. And so very different do, than, the, the, than the squirrel, right? Oh, yes, definitely. <laughs> Which is the, the Gemini mind, I think, is the squirrel. Yes. <laughs> the squirrel. <laughs> so it might be our our power animal to to get through that that period, which might feel intense right. <laughs> and then the, the i think the changing line uh, number 12 with the standstill it reminds me of mm, the last quarter moon with virgo yeah. where sometimes virgo energy can feel to to the environment like okay so what mm. um while they're working very hard to make things work and to um to lay a, a good ground for what will serve people in the future, like their relatives or their friends in the future, but where other people with a more like Gemini mind start to be very um, impatient, like, 
So what's the Virgo still thinking about? Um, that we need to respect the standstill also as a form of being and a form of productivity mm. um, to honor, that, that, we, that we need to honor. I love that. I love that. That's a, that's a great point because there's always a way to respond to the condition that the I Ching presents us, right? Mm. And sometimes when we get to a standstill or a blockage, I think of it like water. We have to pool our resources and hold mm. back, gain strength to eventually pour around the obstacle, the obstruction, mm. right? Like a, like a stream does, you know, rather yeah. than like having to barge our way through it. We're not going to break down the, the boulder. We're going to mm. have to, you know, maneuver around it. And sometimes the process of being still gets you to that point either much quicker or, or much more intact than if you're mm. splitting all your attention in so many directions trying to come up with some solution sometimes the solution comes of itself uh, that nature will bring the solution the divine will bring the solution right mm. yeah. so this too shall pass i think is a good way to to um deal with that energy well mm. manuela this has been incredible Thank Yay, you, my thank friend, you. for joining me today. This is so much fun. Um, yes. So, Manu, tell us again where we can find you, what you have on the offering for us. <laughs> okay, so um, my website is placeofstillness.org. Org is important because it's org, it's not com. And there you will find some more details about myself, some client testimonials, also my about section with my green nun principles it's it's my value statements and you yeah. will find one tab with astrology readings um, um the newest offer in my um, yeah on my website that you could book is a wheel of the year reading nice. uh, it could start any time in the year just to map out the year ahead astrologically there's some Esther Tarot coaching. There's also my blog section where you can download tarot spreads and read my reflections on my tarot draws. And then a contact section and it will help you to find my YouTube channel uh, that is called Place of Stillness Astrology. So nice. yeah, I have a newsletter. Check out my website. You will find everything there. So yeah. Excellent. Excellent. Well, thank you, Manu. Um, and yes, folks, subscribe to the newsletters, the channels, find Manu Place of Stillness Astrology on YouTube. If you're new here to this channel, subscribe to Spencer Michaud Astrology, hit the like button for us. Uh, take advantage of the sale for the Sagittarian Deccans if you haven't already purchased that. Um, that is 20% off for Sagittarius season. Um, and yeah, just a uh, Try to try to relax through this so maybe scattered time. Uh, thank you everyone that 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 spent the time with us today. Thank you for all your wonderful comments in the chat. Always love hearing from all of you. And remember, as we get to this Mars fueled full moon, very important to integrate the shadow, to be kind to yourself, which makes it so much easier to be kind to others. So that's what I've got for you today. Uh, take care, everyone, and we will see you the next time. Peace. Bye.